0: Employers need highly qualified and diverse talent to grow. Unmuddle is a marketplace to help you with workforce and upskill needs. To learn more, go to unmuddle.com/employers that's u n m u d l .com/employers. Welcome back everybody. It's your time to Ed up on the Ed up Experience podcast where we make education your business dr joe salustio back with you again in another episode we're up to like 300 and 400 something i don't know how many we've done but a bunch of them interviewing people all across the land of higher education business and industry it's been amazing we just passed uh, as you guys know if you've been listening past one hundred thousand downloads of this podcast right at the end of 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 2021 Elvin and I had a bet of whether we could get to 100,000 we actually ended at 106,000 I turned out to be right yet again Elvin and you wrong as usual uh, but we'll talk about that later and then of course you guys know uh, Kate uh, Colbert and I have our book uh, pre, uh, we have a book coming out called Commencement uh, a new era in higher education as seen through the eyes of 100 plus college and university presidents that we are currently writing we had a big cover reveal um that you'll see that by the time this episode airs that will have happened appreciate your support um on on that book of course there's a lot of insights from all these presidents uh and edtech folks that we've interviewed um as i always say i love when uh episodes of first come together i've got a first time guest co-host and a first time guest. So um, it's always fun to see what a train wreck uh, it is when we have a bunch (laughs) of firsts, but it's also fun at the same time. And that's the way we like to keep it here. So I'm going to bring first bring in my uh, guest co-host. You know him, you do know him. If you don't know him, you need to know him. Uh, Here he comes, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, here we go. He's the executive director of the Charles Koch Foundation, Ryan Stowers. What's happening, Ryan?
1: Thanks, Joe. I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Really honored to be here once again. Are you excited to be
0: with me or are you just fearful now that I'm going to just totally screw it up for you? I, I mean, got to be just...
1: honest. I'm, I'm mostly excited about our other guests. No offense, but well,
0: guess uh, none taken. Ryan is my first time guest co-host, and and already given me the business. I appreciate that because I like <laughs> I like uh, these episodes to remain nice and and fun. And we've got a fun guest. And I'm well. Let's just bring her in, Ryan. No more no more about me or you. Right here she comes. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, Deborah Quazzo. <laughs> <laughs> she she got this. she's laughing already. She's managing partner at GSV Ventures, and she's also co co-founder at ASU GSV Summit. Deb, what's happening? How are you?
2: I'm awesome, I'm awesome. I have a lot to live up to now, so I'm gonna have to work it.
0: Well, you know what, only here at the Experience can you get like a uh, applause at any time of the day, at any moment. (laughs) That's good. What an honor to have you with us. Um, You know, we've got a, a pretty broad audience here of higher ed professionals all across the land, people, as I said, business industry, ed tech. I want you to just lay the foundation for us. What is GSV Ventures for those that don't know? And what is ASU GSV for those that don't know? Although they've probably been living under a rock if they don't know.
2: (laughs) I appreciate that too. Yeah, well, it's, you know, for, um, I guess the last 25 years, remarkably, um, certainly way before it was sexy, I have been, uh, I've been involved with the education technology and education innovation space and have worn a lot of hats in that regard, investment banker, convener and and, uh, writer and, whatever, thought leader, I guess. And, and I have a partner in um, in Silicon Valley, Michael Mo, who's been sort of the, the thought leader partner. And um, yeah, so we've been sort of, we've been talking about the ed tech and education innovation, innovation space for a long time. Um, obviously not everyone's talking about it, but um, we, in 2016, we, we launched GSV Ventures and that, and GSV stands for Global Silicon Valley, by the way, it was, you know, the concept that um, Silicon Valley is is uh, is, is a physical place, but it's really a state of mind, and that innovation can happen everywhere, and certainly it is today. Um, so, we in 2016 launched our first venture capital fund, GSE Ventures. We're we're um, we're now on our raising our third fund, but uh, we are solely focused on on investing in the pre K to grades. as we call it um, education space. So, across early childhood, K twelve, higher education, workforce, um, and we we invest globally. So, we've been um, you know fortunate to. Of being an investor, we were in Coursera. We were in MasterClass. We were in Turnitin. We've been in. Uh, we have an incredible investment company called Lead School in India in the K12 market. We have Guild Education here in the U.S. Um, in the higher ed space. So we, we've got a, a, a broad and diverse portfolio, and um, and uh, so that's that that's that piece of the puzzle. Um, that piece actually came was was uh, was re- really really. Um, in fact, and that spun out the wrong term, but um, inspired by the ASU GSV Summit. Um, 13 years ago, we partnered with Arizona State University, as, as we like to say at a time when it was not completely obvious that ASU um, would have been the right partner uh, for education innovation, education technology innovation, um, and, and, all, and all the other things they have now become famous for, you know, academic excellence, et cetera. Um, so we're very fortunate that we w- were able to partner um, with ASU at a time where they were um, perhaps under-recognized for the, for the things that were going on under the hood. Um, and uh, we have built over the last 13 years um, what we think is a, a, a fantastic convening um, of folks across the pre-K degree um, education, ed tech and education innovation um, sector and uh every and and we always what we love about it is that we like to call it a strange cocktail um because it it, it's everything from leading leading philanthropists and foundations like the Koch foundation who is a wonderful partner of ours um to uh, education practitioners from k-12 and higher ed and and early childhood and workforce to um to investors and uh you know four or five hundred ed tech founders from all over the world etc so it's a a great mashup of people who really want to change the world for good, as we like to, as we like to call it. And our overarching mantra really is that um, all people deserve equal access to the future. Uh, and we believe that from our, you know, from our vantage point, um, access to high quality education, equitable access to high quality education, is a really um, an, uh, critical lever in achieving kind of that that um, that mantra. So that's that's a mouthful, but um, that's uh, that's 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 my. The best I can do it on an elevator pitch. Wow! Wow!
0: I like it. Um, Let me ask you this, but Ryan, before I bring you in, pre-K to gray, is that a gray meaning jobs or meaning the state of higher education, as it Uh, it were?
2: No, gray gray means uh, it's actually referring to age. So, uh, so we look at yeah everything from early childhood all the way up through um, through uh, gray adults, uh, which which is where I'm heading. No, so, yeah, that's interesting,
0: yeah. and I like that because it implies lifelong learning too. It implies exactly, right. Educational yeah, exactly. technology, uh, uh, a higher education, going, um, going until you know, for your hundred years instead of your four years. Uh, if we, if we, exactly. lucky to live that long. Uh, educational technology um, has seen an explosion. Uh, companies, yep. uh, in companies in in the last, what, couple of years in particular? And coronavirus certainly was a, a one of the catalysts that uh, yep. I think uh, produced that uh, renaissance. I, is it just crazy right now, as it seems? I mean, you do see these stats about, I don't know, how many billions of dollars are going to educational technology. Is it just literally left and right, companies coming from everywhere right now?
2: Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it was about $20 billion went into the category um, in 2021. Um, and that's up front I mean you know, in the old days when we hit five billion of investment it was a you know everybody jumped up and down the and yelled. Um, I think it's representative of the fact that we have we have so many strong um, entrepreneurs coming into the category with strong ideas and so many ideas have been opportunities really have been opened up um, by it. we are heading in that direction with the pandemic but the pandemic has obviously caused a lot of habit change um, and has forced a lot of people to consider, digital alternatives if, um, even if they had previously not been terribly um, inclined to do so and so in well it hasn't been a smooth experience for for everybody certainly we can all read the, the horror stories particularly in the K in the k-12 market but um, but I, it, for, for the most part it has been a pretty dramatic um, sea, sea change in, in habit and attitude and embrace of, of alternatives that can be um, digitally delivered and of course, um, we need that because we have such massive, you know, academic gaps and skills gaps um, through throughout the pre K to grade chain that um, that that those those gaps will never be able to be um, eliminated w- without the you know without the benefit of scale and it's and it's very difficult to scale without without the um, the underpinning of a of a of a technology complement. So. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's very active, comp- really fundamentally fantastic companies being built um, We're you know, all over the world, actually, we're seeing, you know, education as an export was a big, big, has been a big theme for us, um, company, companies all over the world, from India or companies in the US, you know, education used to be extremely parochial. You, it, that was true of the higher ed market too, you guys well know. Um, the parochial uh, you know, nature the parochial element has has pretty much totally gone and 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 we are just you know we're seeing you know, great great innovation happening all over the world and then being transported from wherever that point is to other points all over the world. So that's pretty cool, too.
0: Yeah, I can back that up. I was in Doha for the uh, Qatar Foundation's um, uh, WISE Conference, World Innovation Summit for Education. Yep. There were a lot of technology companies there from, I don't know, all over the world trying to to get a start and get into to global education. And Ryan, I know uh, the work that you guys are doing at the Koch Foundation, you're all over the front end uh, of this stuff too. So let me pass the mic to you.
1: Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks, Joe. And Deb, this, is, this has been fascinating. And you you mentioned we just, we're so thrilled to be partnered with you and we learn so much every time that we we connect with you. I've got I've got a lot right. of questions I could ask, but I've got one that I've been dying to ask. And it it um it kind of came out of of some of what you said, but you've been you've invested in some of the most transformational leaders in ed in a couple of decades. And you know, just to name a few, like Guild, you you named some of them, Masterclass, Coursera what is your secret like how are you what's unique about your approach that's allowed you to identify these these winners these these people that are having a huge impact on the space
2: Uh, well thank you for that and we um right back at you at the um we 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 always learn a ton when we when we talk to the coke team it's a it's a you know it's a extraordinary um work that you guys are doing from from uh, prison reform to, to everything else on, on down the on down the line. So thank uh, thank you guys. The um, you know it's interesting. One one I, I mean I just start with I, we we the fact that we've been working in ed in education for 25 years. I think does give us a unique pattern recognition. Um, I think it is it, it can be really helpful. I think people I think have historically underestimated some of the frictions you can run into in education in within the education systems. Um, I, you know, it, it's, it's, and, and how that can impact um, startup companies. Um, and I think that we've been pretty good at, at, um, with our pattern recognition in, in really assessing where companies would have bigger risks than perhaps others might've thought they would. Um, we're not perfect, you know, goodness. And and, and we're, we're, we've made lots of mistakes and we'll continue to make lots of mistakes, but I do think pattern recognition is really helpful. Other than that, we actually, you know, we step back, we have a framework, um, we call the. We have two frameworks, really. One we call the five P's, which is people, product, potential, predictability, and purpose. Um, you know, people being number one. You know, the, the the inevitably the success of an organization is going to be driven by the people, the, the founder, the leader, the founders, the leaders, um, the folks that, that those founders and leaders bring around them. Um, inevitably, when we've made a mistake, it's been it's been the leadership related. Um, you know, then we look at the product. Is it special, different or great? Is it, is it addressing a white space? Is it, you know, is it Coursera? Does it have sort of this multi-leg, um, multi-legs multi on the stool for, for the business model? Um, what's the potential? What's the total addressable market? I think one of the things that's happened most importantly in EdTech in, in ed is um, the, the total addressable market TAM explosion that's occurred. And it's, it's really exploded in two different ways. One is the EdTech as an export that I talked about a few minutes ago. Um, companies now being able to sell their, their products into global markets, which is a big sea change, um, has dramatically expanded, you know, opportunities there. Um, and then secondarily, we're seeing companies, um, go extend the lifetime value of learners, um, along the pre-K to gray spectrum. So you've seen companies like Byju out of India or, um, Eruditis out of India or, um, um You'll, you'll, begin, you'll, you'll begin to see the courseras of the world, actually in the not-for-profit side of ASU is pushed into the K-12 online higher high school market and into the corporate market. So you're seeing educational organizations um, extend their reach um, from pre-K up to gray and, and increasing um, lifetime value. So that's, that has a big um, high, you know, positive impact on potential for a company. Um, and then uh, and predictability around business model and milestones. And then we do believe, we've always believed that purpose driven companies are, are, um, are more successful. And, um, and so we're, we're always looking for that um, piece of purpose. And then finally, we have this concept we call return on education or ROE. And um, for us, we're an impact fund. And um, so a company needs to be, an organization needs to be driving high ROE. And that means reducing costs. It doesn't have to hit, I mean, ideally they hit all, but the most don't, but at least hit some or all of these. Uh, increased access, lower cost, um, improving learning and skilling efficacy, uh, and providing uh, leverage to the learning leader. And the learning leader could be a, a K twelve teacher or a faculty member in higher ed. It could it could be yourself because um, there's obviously a lot of self agency in learning today, um, or it could be an enterprise a corporate um, learning learning provider. So that's kind of the framework we've used. We've been using the framework for twenty plus years, um, so have consistently applied it and. And I'd love to think that that is kind of what's led us, Ryan, to to um, some, pretty, um, some pretty good alignment with some of the best companies um, in the space.
0: Before you ask another one, Ryan, um, in, in fact, it, it could just be, that was an amazing question, amazing answer, but let me ask it just a little bit of a different way. Uh, and I'm asking for a friend. If my friend had a couple thousand dollars to throw around, which company should he invest in? Uh, is I think the better way that Ryan was meaning to ask that question. Because there's so much, and I ask it because there's so much noise out there, that there are so many technology companies, and I'm asking it to be funny, but there's so many technology <laughs> companies, how you vet through them is just, now yeah. is, is it, yeah. it's remarkable, right?
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, we saw, I'm trying to think, in the last 12 months, um, our team that, over 1,900 met on Zoom, of course, for the most part, um, over 1,900 companies. So pretty extraordinary.
0: It's insane. Ryan, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you.
1: No, you're good, Joe. I, I, just following up on that, I mean, do you see just in, in the, the groups that you're looking at and the big shift toward uh, technology, I mean, do you see a risk in viewing technology as the silver bullet? When you think about innovation, are there yeah. other fronts where innovation needs to occur? And how, how would you unpack that? What do you think the risks are there?
2: Yeah, I think and I, I think that's a it's a great question, Ryan. And and I and what I would say, I mean, the good news in the evolution of this space is that in, and you know what we think education technology will become an, a trillion dollar tech category sometime in the 27, 28 timeframe. Whereas previously we thought it was probably more in the in the mid 2030s, so there has been you know just this great expansion of, of activity. I think one of the really I think great if you if you go back to the kind of the beginning you know, the 99 2000 period, there was a real um, uh, there was a real there was a lot of friction actually around this question. There was a, there was a real jerk reaction by, by many. Um, one because we weren't, you know, we weren't a country, you know, we weren't a world of digital natives yet. But but a, a concern that these ideas um, were were out to replace human, you know, the human element of teaching and learning. Um, and I think people quickly realize, quickly realized the most successful businesses, and that's why one of our ROE points is is providing leverage to the learning leader, learning or skilling leader, um, because it 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 it's actually about scaling, you know. the, the For us, it's about you know making making the lives of teachers easier, making the lives of faculty easier, making you know enabling um, tutors to provide provide their services at scale. So I think it's it's moved from a a concern that this is all about you know eliminating the people element of educational delivery to um, actually enabling the human element to reach people at scale, you know students learners at scale, um, and to do it in Increasingly engaging and and high return ways as, as we get better and better at at you know whether it's peer to peer or uh, masterclass like you know video delivery or um, things like that so so I think the I don't I mean I guess um, if anyone thinks that technology can be the silver bullet um I, you know I think they they will they will you know always be wrong on that bet um, it's got to be an enabler uh, for great teachers and learners and, and, um, you know, in a broad, in a broad sense, of the definition to, to actually um, have higher impact on, on, on more, uh, on more people. So, yeah, I think it's, I, I think we're, I mean, there's still some folks out there and there, there've been a bunch, I mean, who, who think you can put a lot of, you know, a lot of measuring equipment into, into, or a lot of technology into, into desks and measure everything that kids are doing and things like that. And that'll get there. And I, you know, so far we haven't seen a lot of success in those kinds of, Solutions and you know a lot of a lot of work around AI tutors and things like that. And I, I, I do hope actually we get to a place where those can, you know those types of solutions can be very effective because again I think they actually love they provide leverage to leverage to to um, to teachers, um, you know, and students. Uh, so it's it, I think we're actually I'm in a you know I'm in a pretty positive mode on that um, in that kind of thinking. Um, actually, you know, at this moment, but we'll see, because obviously there's a lot of new and emerging technologies still to come. Um, you know, we're just hitting the front edge of AI and, and LP and machine learning and everything, producing effective products in education. So um, it'll be interesting to see.
0: One, one of the things that you said that I that I love, um, and I, I want to ask you uh, about, I mean, it's just the vetting process again, as we, it, as we stick on it, is... So much about technology is to enhance relationship. You, you would hope, especially in education, right? There's relationships that we have: so student to teacher, administrator to, to teacher, uh, students, people. Technology should enhance those relationships and that learning. That, that that's that's the great part about it. When we try to replace those relationships with technology, sometimes that that's where it can't be a silver bullet. How much of what you do when you're looking at investments and you're looking at companies how much of the research is about the student or the end user, how they're evolving, how they're evolving using technology or accessing technology or data or, lo- you know what I mean? Cause, yeah. the, cause the student yeah. evolves fast yeah. or faster than the technology.
2: Absolutely. And it's so funny. We just had this conversation. I just had this conversation with my partner, Michael Modern Day. um, so we're spending a lot of time on what's going on with web three and, the, and, you know, metaverse, which we're calling everse. And, um, and what impacts that could have on learning um and and educational delivery and in and it's pretty interesting because because it, it's like you I mean, truth be told I, I'm not going to want to learn as an avatar that's not me uh, but but I'm not the generation that um that I'm not I'm not the generation this, this 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 work is focused on or resonating with and I'm not the generation that grew up with you know gaming and 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 all the things you know that kind of thing that 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 kind of um, ecosystem that's going to make you, what's, what's happening around metaverse, et cetera, really resonate. And so um, I, I think it's, you're, you're dead on. It is, it, students are changing rapidly. Um, so, you know, so far that change, students and teachers are changing rapidly. I mean, just the, the simple decade move from teachers being analog to teachers being digital has made a huge you know, difference in the adoption of educational technologies in K-12 and higher ed and um and so we have to all keep our eye on the student um and by the way we also need to keep our eye on the I mean, the gray part of the spectrum too right because there's we're living longer um there're more you know active adults in the other so it, and those are very you know those are very different learners um you know in the in the um in the gray part of the spectrum and the right. and the in uh, the K12 and higher ed part of the spectrum so it's so it's a it's really really important um, I, it is completely obvious to us now that it, that that these new environments, the, the metaverses that are being built, um, that are, are going to be comfortable places for students uh, to learn, to, to have peer-to-peer collaboration, to do project-based learning, to have you know very active learning engagement. And I and I think um, you know in a lot of the paradigms that we have, you know, that we all grew up with, and speak for myself, but. Um, are just, are, 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 static and not engaging and boring to, to these, gener- to the to the younger generation. So they have to be, you know, the game has to be changed. And so we're, we're totally, and we, you know, we have part of our team really dedicated to everything, you know, looking at everything around, um, uh, you know, learn, l- learn to earn and all these sort of uh, Web3 and, um, and, uh, and metaverse Um, development that are that are really engaging a whole new level um, and you know that's the you know that's the important thing that needs to happen because I think students you know in in um, if you can't get if you can't get students engaged they're not going to learn they're not going to remember there's not going to be retention it's just not going to be effective so I think student engagement is something we have to all be focused on and particularly as we look at the numbers coming out of COVID of of the people who have You know who have dropped out, or um, you know the the student losses are stunning. So, so I think that we need to all think about um, what 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 do these new deliveries mean, and and how can we? um, And we're certainly thinking hard about how we can invest in them.
0: The vision of Unmuddle for the future is that the high cost, rigidity, and uncertain reward of pursuing higher education would be replaced with an economical transparent, infinitely adjustable sequence of lifelong learning stints in which the employer, college, and learner are in constant communication about current needs and the system can respond quickly to each. Employers need highly qualified and diverse talent to grow. Unmuddle is a marketplace that will help you with workforce and upskilling needs. To learn more, go to unmodel.com employers.
1: Hey, um, just, just jumping in, I love this conversation about learner voice and student engagement. And Deb, I love the way that you unpacked. It's such a huge difference when you think about you know, the, the avatar versus the, the person that's been in a job for 30 years. And one of the things that's most attractive about your vision is this idea, I think I pulled this from your web's website, but giving all people equal access to, to learning. Are you, yep. seeing, are you seeing strategies from an impact investment standpoint? Are you seeing strategies that are that are effectively going to reach the people that that never viewed themselves as worthy or, or, or never even have the self-esteem to assume that they were the right fit for post-secondary learning?
2: Are yes. there, are there yes.
1: innovations occurring that can reach that? I'm a, I'm I'm a part of this group, this lifelong learning, this gray audience that we're talking about. Yep. Um, what are you because seeing the on the that? learning
0: or the gray, Ryan? Yeah, both. No, oh, oh, oh. oh,
2: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me, I'm there. But it, um, yeah, no, we're seeing. I it, we're very excited about. Um, yeah, it was a really. I talked uh, did a call with a company in India yesterday, actually, um, who is uh, aligned aligned with um, Manipal University, which is a very high brand university in India, which is actually philanthropically funded by a, by a, by a wealthy family. And they have separately funded this company, um, which is leveraging Manipal to deliver um, higher education—you know, high-quality higher education—to tier three, four, and five cities in India, which, which are you know, where, where communities where where people never get access to higher education, um, and and they're having incredible traction. And the idea that a very—I mean, this would be like taking—I don't know—one of the Ivy Leagues and saying, "Yeah, we're we're delighted to." Um, we're delighted to have our brand extended into, you know, into a non, you know, quote non-exclusive um, uh, market, you know, which is, I just think, fantastic, right? So if we can see more kind of movements like that, where people are willing, um, to, you know, we'll do anything to make sure there are people getting people who, who have not traditionally gotten access are going to get access at at, at low at, at low cost and affordable, you know, at, at affordable delivery. Um, so I think that we, I think we're seeing a lot more, you know, a lot of activity like that, actually, Ryan, I think, I mean, actually Guild, I mean, you mentioned Guild, and Guild obviously is, um, oh obviously, if you, if you know what Guild does, but Guild, Guild is, is um, what, what the, the revolution that Rachel Carlson, um, in her vision, was that tuition reimbursement and tuition assistance plans have been around in the United States forever, um, they hadn't been very highly utilized, and when they were highly utilized, they were utilized by sort of C-suite or middle middle management um, to get you know to get uh, uh, college college or, or um, graduate degree um, uh, credentials. And her revolution was you know why don't we take why don't we take these programs and actually have companies begin to think about them as, as ways to, to, to educate, you know, further skill, you know, upskill and reskill and side skill. I mean, there are all these kinds of different strategies now, which is fascinating. They're frontline workers. So they're workers who may need a high school uh, equivalency degree. They may need a, they may need, um, they may need a, a college credential. They may need a certificate. They may need, you know, to be able to move over from one job so they can then, um, you know, climb into a higher paying job. And you know, all around creating mobility within the corporation. So, obviously, you know, in the case of Guild, Walmart was a early early adopter, embrace of the of the of, of the product. They now have a massive a billion dollar budget dedicated to to the upskilling, reskilling um, of of their frontline massive workforce. Um, so, I think that it and it and I think it's it, it's been both you know great entrepreneurs like Rachel Carlson, but also. Um, great companies like Walmart, Chipotle, Walt Disney, um, you know, Target, Amazon, etc., who who have who have embraced um, Coke. I'm sure does it. Uh, who have embraced the concept that that you know companies are now the fourth education system. There is there is a responsibility and a benefit um, to to the to both the employee and the employer um, to delivering you know to delivering um, the ongoing education to folks who, who who may not have had a great experience in education previously and um and and didn't think it was worth their investment and so i just think we're at a moment of sea change in that regard and um and it's and one of the and and this whole talent short the shortage coming out of you know the great resignation and the shortages coming out of um the pandemic are going to make that even more exciting because companies are you know even if companies even if companies had, had sort of refuse to budge on the, you know, degree requirement or what, you know, traditional uh, hiring requirements. Um, If they want to fill, if they want to fill their jobs, they probably are going to have to have a change of mind on that because, because the, you know, the, the, the employees are just not available. Um, So I think it's a, it's an interesting silver lining of the pandemic, but, but yes, I think we are, we're, we're finally turning our attention globally to, to, to people who had not historically had the right access um, or incentives um, or engagement or voice um, to, 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 to tackle uh, that kind of learning and skilling.
0: Wow. A lot there, Ryan, keep going.
1: Oh, so exciting. I, I, uh, I, I think this is, this is huge. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to jump, Joel, allow me. I'm going to ask a, another one of those questions where I'm asking for a friend, but really it's, it's, me so as a philanthropy love it we've we've uh you know we've realized that philanthropy in some ways has been a part of the problem in the past where where they've propped up the um artificially so kind of propped up the traditional system in ways that created the wrong kind of incentives to you know that thwarted innovation so what advice do you have to a philanthropy or other investors that want to have Impact to drive real transformation. What advice do you have for us moving forward?
2: Yeah, I it, it is really interesting, um, and I think that uh, that dynamic has has matured so much too. I mean, I remember when um, when Jim Shelton was still at the Gates Foundation, and um, and the ed tech sector was not moving right and we were not seeing progress and it was really frustrating and the frictions were everywhere k-12 higher ed wherever workforce and um and 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 gates at the time was grappling with you know where's the fine line where if we become too much of a kingmaker that we actually we actually you know we actually subsume the 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 um, the entrepreneur you know entrepreneurialism and the and the innovation and 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 or you know suboptimize the outcome as opposed to optimizing the outcome I think the good news is in edtech in education not just ed tech, education today um, the capital that's come in I mean is education has been an underinvested category forever. Um, and education innovation has been under investment category, certainly when you look at other healthcare or any other category. Now that we've actually achieved close to parity with healthcare in terms of um, investment dollars coming in, and, and healthcare is similar too because healthcare has lots of philanthropic dollars and lots of um, commercial investment dollars. Um, I actually think that the robust um, the, the, the robust dollars coming in from from commercial investors uh, is a very positive to creating that balance between what philanthropists can do to catalyze innovation versus what commercial investors can do. So I actually think that the the, the dilemma that you guys have is, 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 is much easier today because the sector has, has come into its own. There's still, and you guys know this so much better than I do, there are still so many important places um, within the education spectrum that will not, that, that require the, the seeding and the promotion of philanthropic dollars. I mean, because, because they just, they're just going to need to, you know, it's like a plant, right? I mean, they're going, they need to get watered, they need to, and, and, and maybe, maybe not, they can, can, can get to, to a self-sustaining place, but, but there's still so, but there are many, many important, um, you know, places places that remain that that really require and demand, on um, which we were on a phone call today with ASA and, and the funding they're doing around career readiness um, in high schools uh, to try to get you know younger people thinking about career earlier because it's not taught in schools and there's no capacity to do that, um, and um, so it's a uh, it's. Um, um, I, I just think I think Ryan I think that the debate there has gotten a lot um, I don't want to say easier but I think I think it it's it's very clear that we need both um, it, and it's and it again what I love is how people pick their spots I mean you guys have so carefully picked your spots you know you see and and people move on their spots that they pick right um, and. And I think that's important too. I mean, if you know, the you know, the Gates has found that they you know they did reading and math for a while. Well, that helped seed a bunch of companies that went out and cre- created. There's a big movement into into virtual tutoring, um, and both philanthropic support of that as well as commercial support of it. And I think they're actually working together um, to support uh, d- the development of scaled or scale delivery. Um, and so I think that's I, I think it's a, I actually think that was a dynamic that we worried about a decade ago, um, that the sort of, you know, no labels, are you for profit, not for profit, shouldn't really matter. I think that I think the I think the, um, I think the balance and the and the um, uh, whatever the I'm struggling for the word, but the complementarity of the role of great philanthropy and the role of great investing um, has gotten much more promising, or much more exciting, um, I, I guess. If that's a, if that makes sense
1: to you. Right. Yeah, it makes, makes total sense. That was, that was really helpful and encouraging.
0: Let me uh, shift just a tad, uh, and Deb, if you don't mind, <clears throat> before I hand it back to you, Ryan, for any final questions and we close out the episode, but I want to know um, a little more about you because you've got like superpowers, like investment superpowers and superpowers to identify all these companies and, and all these infrastructure powers you have that i'm like soaking in all of it but you didn't start in education or an ed tech in ed tech and you started in looks like in finance uh so how how do you take this superhero's journey into what you do now
2: oh well you're thank you um i'm certainly not a superhero but um send
0: me all your secrets please by
2: email i will i will the um Yeah, you know, it was, yes, I was an investment banker um, uh, and I actually, um, part, 25 years ago, I met uh, Michael Moe, who was a, a head of growth research and strategy at Montgomery Securities. And I recruited him to, over to Merrill Lynch to be um, my counterpart. I was a, a head of growth research, head of growth banking, he was head of growth research. And, and so it was Michael, Michael had begun to write in the mid-1990s a series of white papers, about you know why education technology should be one of the most important emerging growth investing categories in, in um, the world. Uh, it took a little longer to get there than, than we might have liked, but um, for all the frictions that we just talked about, but I got I got very inspired by that vision. I mean we built we built a couple a couple of businesses in between, but um, when we we sold our uh, company called Think Equity Partners, I just really decided in two thousand and eight that um, both because I'd become very philanthropically involved in KIPP schools and did a crazy two year stint on the Chicago Public School Board and you know, Teach for America and some other, some other initiatives I had, had gotten involved in my personal life um, that, that I just wanted to hunker down and do 100% you know, education innovation and education technology. Um, and because um, I was just so inspired by it. And I'd also had the benefit of you know, having you know, two amazing parents um, who have been who have been huge inspirations in, in creating their own philanthropic initiatives uh, around education and actually linking it to housing. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, and um, and mom and dad had had, had created some really important um, important vehicles in that community to um, take take students kids from public housing and for Habitat Humanity housing into. Um, and carry them over into success, um, higher education success at the University of North Florida and, and other and other places. Um, and so that was also, you know, that was kind of something I lived and breathed um, growing up. And so that helped, I'm sure, too, on my DNA. Um, but yeah, and I was really lucky. And, 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 I, and I realized, having been an investment banker, that if I, you know, that, you know, a broad investment banker, that when I started doing education, it was just Something that got me out of you know bed at, in the morning in a in a different way than covering you know large consumer package goods companies or that something like that not that that's not a wonderful job but it just wasn't what inspired me and um and yeah so we sort of took it from there and it and built an advisory practice and built the summit you know thirteen starting thirteen years ago and 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 then and then the fund and um. So it's been a great evolution. I, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, the older I've gotten, um, the further away I've gotten from retirement, and the um, more, more, more passionate I've gotten about what I do professionally. And that's that's uh, not forget that's to mention kind of that you're a fun thing to happen. Yeah,
0: you know, let's not forget to mention you're a board member of every, every educational technology company in the United States. At least uh, it looks like <laughs> from, from your LinkedIn. I'm, I'm looking at this, going, how in the world do you do it? I mean, honestly, well,
2: it's, it's crazy. It's all it's Incredible. all synergistic. It's synergistic. That's the good news. It's synergistic.
1: Oh gosh, all right, Ryan, over to you. Oh, uh, the, the the you you mentioned the summit. I, I I am such a big fan of that that event, and uh, I'm just curious. Given all the momentum, some of it unpredicted, what do you see as the next big step for ASU GSV? The, the summit.
2: Well, uh, you know, thank you for asking, thank you for saying it, it's great. Uh, we do, it's a labor of love, that's for sure. Um, so we're taking our tack this year is a little different. We're, we are overarching theme is um, Ed, Ed on the Edge. And and we think that's got, you know, sort of a multi, you know, um, uh, sort of a whole series of meanings. it, it resonates everything from web three in the metaverse and what's happening there with emerging technologies um, to, know society on the edge and and the concept that that you know that if we don't um address educational inequality and and other key issues like climate change that we you know that we're all going to be facing much bigger problems and that that education and the educational community is a a really important um solution uh, or or a really important group to be um tackling some of some of our largest problems so so we're really we're, we're trying um and, and you know we th- we do think we you know we finally the, the education innovation technology sector has sort of achieved full um, sort of size and legitimacy in, t- in t- you know, relative to other um, technology categories for sure but but also in terms of the, the issues themselves finally p- perhaps finally achieving uh, the appropriate level of global attention um, from a policy and, and and every else perspective and certainly you know coke spends, spends much time and resources on on that element of it and um, and so we want to, so we want people to think very deeply about what what we can do as a group um, to to really address you know some of the some of the you know the deeply serious things that we are that we're all facing so we think and and, and you know again so we like, but we do like to run the gamut add on the edge everything from metaverse and and web 3 and what you know artificial intelligence or gaming or AR and VR can do um, over to uh, you know what what do we as a, a group need to do to be thinking about related to education and climate change, for example. So um, we're hoping to amp up the conversation in that way, and it's just a little, a little bit different um, or a little bit of a not different so much as an evolution from where we've been um, over the last couple of years. So we're so we're really excited about um, about April, and um, I think the crazy part is we're doing April to get back on our pre-COVID um, calendar. Um, so that's where what our, our, our hotel contracts are and uh we thought oh my gosh there won't be enough time for things to be interesting between august and april and the crazy thing is there's you know there's so much has changed in this in the space um between august and today um that we that we're almost overwhelmed by the number of things that we could talk about so yeah so it's it, it we're, we're excited it's it's a it should be a great program and um you know we'll, we're obviously nav- all navigating our way through um omicron but um but uh anyway we're we're optimistic on that front and um really excited about uh what what's coming down the pipe in april
1: so exciting i got i got to say deb you've got a really uh strong influence on joe he's so much better behaved on this one than he was when <laughs> 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 yes, I
0: am. Because <clears throat> I'm waiting for my friend to get the information about where to invest all his money. No, I'm just. Kidding. I'm gonna <laughs> But, but, Dan, let me ask you. Because we, we, um, we here at the Edup Experience, we've had the the honor of interviewing a, a bunch of ed tech companies, uh, emerging, uh, um, big ones uh, for sure. And and, you know, there's um, there's so many. That everybody's everybody would just go crazy, right? If you're a small tech company and you get an investment from GSV or, or or working with the Koch Foundation, I mean, that's everybody's dream to be able to grow and scale their business. What advice do you give to these organizations starting out? They've got the idea, they've they've got the motivation. Is is it sometimes I wonder? Are, is there so many companies doing the same thing that it's hard to differentiate yourself now? I mean, what's that piece of advice that you would give to those out there looking to take that next large step in helping education?
2: Yeah, I think you have to be really careful not to be doing, um, you know, not to be a me too, you know, a me too, an attempt me too. Uh, we certainly are seeing a lot of a lot of um, uh, competitive activity in certain spaces where there are a number of folks um, sort of taking slightly different tweaks of something somebody else has done. Um, so I, I think we're you know we're always looking for a, a clear a clear differentiation something that's really going to make a company special different or great um, and so I think for an entrepreneur I think it, it, it's really important to have um, one you know a, to really see a unique opportunity and then two you know some of our best entrepreneurs are the ones that that have have gone you know in, in looking for product market fit have 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 real, you know have realized they needed to do you know tweak this or pivot this way or whatever and and perhaps take the original vision but but reform it in order to to, to get real product market fit which is really the first you know the first indication that you're on you know you're on the right track and um you know and i think it really is the most important first you know product market fit is really the most important first first indicator of whether you're whether you're you know um using your time wisely or or not and um yeah so i think it and I think you do have to. You really watch out um, on the. Um, you really do have to watch out on the, uh, um, on the Me Too stuff.
0: Ryan, any final words? What are your final words today?
1: Yeah, no, I I think uh, this has been it's been awesome, Deb. Um, just trying to think. Um, we're just honored to to partner with you. I guess.
2: Thank what you. I'm are-
1: what I continue to be concerned about is we've got all this momentum, all this change is occurring, all this investment, but a lot of the culture around education still still seems to need to change. Yep. Just around the way that we think and act about learning. And you know, so much of the time and focus is is spent on free college or other issues that I'm not discounting. They're, yeah. they're important, yep. but but they're not getting at the fundamental things that you've outlined in your vision. How do we, how do we continue to drive change culturally from a, like at a societal yeah. level? And I know that's a, a big question, but that's something we're wrestling with a lot. Love your input on that.
2: Yeah. And I think that's, it's, you know, totally correct. And, and that's why, honestly, I think that's why it's so important that there's this mix of public private partnership and catalyzation. Um, I think, you can often see. I mean, if you look at what I mean, everybody always loves to say the MOOCs. You know, oh, they, they didn't work. Well, they did work. They they really work because they forced universities to rethink the online delivery of education, and so um, and, and the and the things that have, a, have have spun out of and Coursera. You know, Coursera is a poster child. Um, it is you know. So so I think what's really important is that we continue to push these um, partnerships. And um, that one can catalyze the other forward thinking foundations combined with great entrepreneurs um, can and can really show results and really change the minds of people because because the proofs in the pudding, right? So, so I think we need to keep showing this works. Um, you know, there have been periods in ed tech where that that things didn't work and, and and now they can work and we can show examples of how they're working at scale.
0: Well, and you know, Ryan, it's funny that you said I was more well-behaved because, and just so you guys know, nuts that's gross you out, but I, you know, every time you guys are talking, I'm eating my sandwich because I have to (laughs) like eat lunch at some point and I, and I can't eat and hit my sound effect buttons at the same time. And I, I know you guys need to know this piece of information about me, but I just found that out about myself. So, and Deb, everything you're saying is so important. I think right now, you know, is you're seeing things before the rest of us get to see it and, and, and the. Um, trends that you're pointing out, the investments that uh, GSV has made, the, the wins, I mean, look how those companies have changed the entire face of education. And I think we're, this audience will be fascinated by what you have to say. And I know that the, the ASU-GSV summit continues to grow every year. Um, and Ryan, I know that you're you're huge in uh, the Koch Foundation's huge at ASU-GSV. It's just continuing to gain momentum, this, this uh, uh, ed tech uh, piece of higher ed. And I'm glad that you could bring those insights. And I'm going to ask you the final question of this episode, which is, and we're going to quote you and put your answer all over social media. I know we want to, but what is the future of higher education as you see it?
2: Oh, I think the future of higher education is that it gets defined much more broadly, right? That higher, higher becomes, it defines everything you learn after you graduate from high school. And so I think, I think it gets, you know, whether it's you know, stackable credits. I had a great conversation about this um, yesterday um, with with you know some of the great forward thinking universities are thinking about how they capture greater lifetime value from their students, and not just the four year experience, but they'll be there when they come back to do you know credentialing for a technical job, or they come back when they do. So we need to think about it much more expansively. That 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 higher educate higher education means everything that happens from, you know, 12th grade till gray, 12th, you know, sort of 13 to gray, I guess. And, um, and, and, and that we get much more fluid about what we think that, that higher education means. I mean, people get so hung up on higher, and the funny part about the whole, you know, college piece, in fact, the free college, and everything else, is that, you know, the reality is 25% of the world's population has a college degree. So we're sort of not talking about 75% of the people if we're talking about traditional higher education. And that's, you know, that in and of itself is a problem so i think it i think it it it, it is the the embrace of a more, much more expansive definition of what higher education means and and how it's you know how important it is to again giving all people equal access to the future that not just 25% or 35% for 100% and so you know that's my hope i think we're seeing a lot of you know employers change their attitudes about having only hiring college graduates and being much more flexible at certificate acceptance and 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 things like that, and I think that has to keep to uh, you know evolving for us to you know be at sort of the, in my mind the the higher ed utopia.
0: Mm. Well, you blew uh, blew my mind today, Deb, with everything that you said. I, I really appreciate you uh, coming on, Thank Ryan. Uh, How do you feel about everything?
1: Uh, incredible. I'm I'm with you. I, this has been an incredible conversation. Thanks so much, Deb. All, all right, you-
2: guys. Thank you so much. Really, I really appreciate your having me. It was awesome. Well, Deb,
1: I got to give it, wait, wait, I got to give you the outro. But first, before I do,
0: I got to I gotta give Ryan his out, outro today, my first time guest co-host. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen. He's executive director of the Charles Koch Foundation, Ryan Stowers. Ryan, thanks for coming on that up today. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. And of course, another, yet another standing ovation. Here it is. My guest today, Deb Roquazzo, she's managing partner at GSV Ventures and co-founder at ASU GSV. Deb, an honor, and I mean an honor to have you here on the EdUp Experience today. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, you just add up. Employers use Unmodel to source talent directly from community colleges with a click of a button to commission needed training to develop existing talent. Highly qualified and diverse talent is absolutely necessary to grow in today's workforce. Try your free subscription today at unmuddle.com slash employers.